You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's a big world out there, and you're just looking for a pat on the back or head. You're running around the city, searching for a place to bark, working your tail off with your nose to the ground, sniffing for a few scraps, hoping someone will throw you a bone. You take each lead, collar after collar, hoping one day to take a bite out of success and become the top dog. Fortunately, you come home each day to open arms, open cans, a drink waiting for you, and a comfortable place in front of a TV set. You know you've got it good, really good, because after all, it's a doggy dog world out there. Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Liz Palaika, and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Hi, welcome to It's a Doggy Dog World. I'm your host, Liz Palaika, and with me today, as always, are my good friends, Petra Burke. Hello. And Kate Abbott. How do? And today, we're going to talk about how to take your training to the next level. When do you know how to increase difficulty, how to increase distractions, how to make stays longer, comes longer for a distance, all those types of things. And this is a comment, a question that we are asked a lot. How do I know when to increase the difficulty for my dog? And the three of us and many of the trainers here at Kindred Spirits Dog Training have younger dogs, and we're in the process of doing that now. I know Bones is two, and I'm finally starting to see the adult brain show up once in a while. (laughs) He still has a lot of adolescence in him, and I still need to keep track of those behaviors. He's 95% a good boy, but sometimes, for example, he likes to push Kate's Walter. Walter's 10, and he's small compared to the other dogs. and More reactive. More reactive, and Bones likes to push his buttons, so I have to keep on him with that. But I'm also seeing the adult dog that he's going to grow up to be, and I know I can and should challenge him a little bit more right now. So, you know, those are some of the issues that I think everyone who's working with a dog should have. If they don't have it, they should have it. Because high expectations are a good thing. Absolutely. And we, it actually starts early, even though people aren't aware of it. It starts with the cry that we hear, both in puppy classes and basic, well, in any of the classes. But he can do it at home. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> How wish, often do we hear that? I wish oh, I had nine a out of nickel. Times, right? If I had a nickel for every time we heard that, I'd be a millionaire. With inflation, I'll take a dime. Yeah. <laughs> so that cry yeah. right there is people not understanding criteria objectives. But anyway, <laughs> I know. A layman's no, terms. Layman's terms. terms. Oh. Very scientific. It's a lot easier to sing in the shower than it is to get up on stage and sing in front of hundreds and thousands of people. Oh, heck, in front of one other person. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're talking my singing here. (laughs) Is that what it is? Um, That's what happens, is people practice at home where things are quiet, the dog knows the environment. Secure. And they're so pleased that they're able to get, they're able to tell their dog, sit, stay, and walk. They'll, they'll say, oh, we can walk to the other room and come back. And puppy dog is still doing a sit, stay. And then they get it in class and they're frustrated because they can't walk more than six feet away. 
right. before right. their puppy dog is breaking the sit stay. Right. So the whole issue of when do I take my dog up to the next level is being able to know what your dog is capable of in the situation they're in in that moment. Right. And I think that's the key that a lot of people don't understand is that moment because every moment's different. With Bones, if I ask him to, to do something, anything at home or here at the training yard or down at Oceanside Harbor with the sea lions barking or out front of my house with the trash truck going by, every moment is different. It's been a long time since someone has said to me, oh, I don't want to train my dog because I don't want him to be a little robot. Oh, we hear it once in a while. Once in a while. Thank goodness, not as much as we used to. Right, right. Man, I always laugh. You are never going to make a living, organic, emotional, feeling, thinking creature into a robot. Right. The other one that we used to hear about was the break his spirit. Yes, (laughs) <laughs> right. Like any of our dogs have broken spirits. Yeah. <laughs> it is possible, uh-huh. but that's not what we train for. Right, right. So, because they are not robots, they are going to be, a, and even a robot is affected by his environment, for Pete's sake. And the instructions that he's been programmed yes. with. Yes. So, and that's what we have to explain to people in class. Yes, at home, things are quiet. Your puppy dog can concentrate better. He can succeed better. Then, just changing the environment. Now, there are trainers who keep logs, and um, they're very scientific, and and they say, once you have reached 85% success with your criteria rate, then it is time to change your criteria rate. Okay, what does that mean? That means when your puppy dog is succeeding the majority of the time, almost 100%, but, you know, that's hard to get, almost 100 then you can change something. Mm-hmm. And the classics are the three Ds. Distance, duration, distractions. If you change one D, you have changed the entire environment. Right. So let's let's define... Let me, let me go over that one more yeah, time. Let, let's define each of those terms, because when we say each of them, people probably understand what they mean, but let's, let's talk about them. So distance. How far are you away from your dog? Now, if you're with a puppy, then you might be hands-on touching them. Right. Sit, stay. Your distance is zero. But distance is not just with the stays, though. It can also be with the come. It can be... um, It can be with the sit. Sure. Can you be a foot away from a puppy and tell them to sit? Or the down. We were working with one of uh, Kindred Spirit's trainers last night. She was having some trouble with her, uh, her Doberman with the down. And he had cued onto a part of her command, but not the entire command. And she was having difficulty with that because she didn't understand what he was cueing off from. So she could not get any distance on the down. Because he thought that was a totally different thing than if she was too far away. Right. So So you have to work on distance. And then you work on, if you're going to work on one of the D's, the best way to do it is to try and keep the other two D's as low as possible. So if you're going to work on being able to tell your dog to lay down when you're 12 feet away from them, start at home. 
where the distractions are low. Well, let's go through definitions of all three before we go on to techniques. So distance is exactly what it means, but people tend to think of distance only with the stays or only with the come, but distance can be with lots of exercises. Right. Right. Okay. And after distance, we have... Duration. And that's defined as what? What? Appropriate? Okay. My definition is how long can your puppy dog do something that you've asked them to do so that before they get, before they do it wrong? So like Petra's puppy, Poncho, that would be him doing a sit-stay for 30 seconds. Right. Okay. When our adult dogs can do it for three or four minutes. Or just to sit. Just to just sit. Just asking mm-hmm. him to sit. You have to do it appropriate mm-hmm. for that dog. But can't duration so include the length of a training session? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or the length of time that he can hold a watch me. So duration also is a variety of things. And it's age-dependent and experience-dependent. Exactly. I say duration on a puppy is short. Duration on an older dog maybe is a little long. Sure. And if I'm not feeling good, my duration for anything (laughs) is pretty low. Yeah, that too. (laughs) Attention span is another... Yeah, duration issues last week. So yes, yes we un- we uh, yeah understand that attention span could be another way to talk about duration. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, do they remember that they're doing a downstay? Mm-hmm. So you have to build up that criteria. Okay, and then the third D is distractions. My roommate will often start to talk to me while I'm reading my Kindle or I'm doing something, and I will miss the first two or three sentences. Because guess what? I'm distracted. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to you know, get my attention first. Say, hey, Kate, and mute the TV that you've been listening to loudly that I've already been blocking. <laughs> but, you know, let me know you're saying something important. Then I'm not as distracted. Yeah, see, we've all learned that here at the training yard. You okay? And when you turn <laughs> to look at us, then we'll talk to you. Exactly. Well, and that also comes with you have a hearing impairment. Yes. And if anyone has any kind of impairment you have to deal with that first and that goes with dogs or people and distractions take away from attention right and so that affects the duration of their attention and the the closer you are then you start blocking out other distractions so then the distance comes into it so they all play off of each other and distractions will also vary by dog Petra was just saying that her puppy Poncho is really food motivated, which makes it easier to train. She can use food treats to get his attention, but yet that also means Huge that distraction. food is also going to be a distraction. Big distraction. My boy Bones is an intact male. In class last night, one of the female dogs was in season. And so getting his attention on me away from that distraction He did fine. He was wonderful. I was very, very proud of him. But I could see him consciously. He would flick an eye to her. He would a little sniff. And then he'd go back on me going, I'm watching you, Mom. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. So, yes, she was a tremendous distraction. But he was working himself on focusing on me. Because you have also taught him those skills. Right, Mm -hmm. right. And... I wasn't paying attention to that, but I'm sure that you were closing the distance a little bit. Yes. And upping your level of... Reward. Rewards. Yes. And creating, I'll say it, noise. 
but saying his name more often, talking oh, to him. I was it. helping him, yes. That distraction helped him avoid the other distractions. Yes, and at one point when the owner of the female dog was working very close to us, I put some distance between Bones and the other dog. Distance, distance between, between the distractions. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, when you want to challenge your puppy dog to help them move up, again, that term would be called generalization. It's not just, well, the classic story we have around here is one of my private training. And within a four square foot section at the end of the woman's kitchen island, the dog was absolutely perfect with sit down, stay. Okay. But if you moved four, if you move five feet away from the end of the kitchen counter, he looked, you said, puppy dog sit, and he looked at you as though you were speaking another language. So he could do his commands in the box, the yes. four foot square box. Exactly. But outside the box, no clue. So he had become trained to <laughs> work within that box. Which she did inadvertently, but it just, it was convenient for her. She yeah. put her so, treats on yeah. the end of the counter. Right. And that four square foot was as far as she could move and still be able to reach a treat and give it to him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So generalization <laughs> is the process of teaching a puppy dog, no matter what the distance, no matter what the duration, no matter what the distractions, a sit is still a sit. Right. Mm-hmm. A come is still a come. But you have to then add in variations of those three D's to teach a puppy dog to generalize. And as you were saying earlier, when we were defining the terms, you said if you're going to increase one of those D's, then the other two D's need to either remain the same or back off from them a little bit. A huge no-no in dog training that we often hear from our students They get a little complacent. They think their dog is doing really well, and he or she may be doing really well. So they increase two or three of the Ds at the same time, and the dog falls apart, or the dog is confused. Realize, okay, Mm -hmm. so the student says, I was able to tell her to sit, stay, and I left the room for 30 seconds. When I came back, she was in the same spot. So, yay, my dog knows sit, stay. Okay, so I went out (laughs) to the front yard. And, and the, she said, she was, God, she moved, she broke. <sighs> Heavy sigh. Okay, there is some, a friend of mine, okay. <laughs> there goes Kate. Wow. <laughs> hold on. Let's follow along with her now. Just, just hold there's on. A re- there's a reason for this. A friend of mine used to have a job in a manufacturing plant where she would design stuff. And that was great fun. But the other part of it was to find out how much stress these manufactured things could take before they would break. Okay. So she would take these objects, the prototypes, and they would subject it to heat or pressure or whatever until it exploded. And that was like, ah, That would that be was, a great job. That was I would, so much fun. I would love to have that job. <laughs> she had to be both the creative side and the it's just fun to blow things upside. It would be like <laughs> Mythbusters. Yes, exactly. <laughs> My favorite show. Woo, blow it up. There is something in a lot of humans, I'll say most of us, that like to go, cool, it blew up. Yeah. And it's a release of stress. Yeah. <laughs> So if I'm not sure if that's the reason for a lot of people or hubris or you know getting too proud, but we like to push the dogs until they break. I think what we see with a lot of them is everybody's looking for success. 
And when they start class or start training, either with us or private training or at home or with a book or a DVD or whatever, when they start training, it's like a diet. When you, you go on a diet, you lose a lot of weight real quick. Most of us understand that it's a lot of water weight initially, but you get that big success. And when you start dog training, when you and your dog achieve communication, you have success. When you've got Poncho the puppy and he learns sit, you go, yay, we have success. Mm-hmm. And then we want to move on from that. Right. But as with the diet... She just used a weird analogy. I'm oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I broke it. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. <laughs> I'm broken. Okay. So training and diet. I love it. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Continue. But as I was going to say, yes. with the diet, mm-hmm. then weight loss slows down. Mm-hmm. You have to be in it for the long run. You have more in smaller incremental gains. Right. And it's the same thing with the dog. The dog starts training makes a big leap. Aha! I have communication with mom. I understand. She's trying to tell me something. But then when the difficulty is increased, that's the fourth D, which we hadn't touched on, the difficulty increased, then the gains are smaller. And I think many dog owners are still looking for that big step. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And learning does take big steps. There will be times when the light bulb goes off over your dog's head and he goes, Aha! Okay! That's what you wanted. Yes. And we love that. But every new piece of learning is not going to be a huge light bulb or a huge step. One of the issues is if you push your dog, if you experiment until they break, then you have lost that upward momentum. And you can lose some trust. Yeah. Your dog is, especially maybe with a stay, where we have been trying to teach the dog, you hold still until I come back to you to release you. If you go too far, too fast, or there's too many distractions and he breaks, he may lose that trust that you're going to come back to him. Right. It is a roller coaster training, like growing up, but it usually has an upward trend. Mm-hmm. But expect big, big leaps and little leaps. Our motto is set them up to succeed because that builds upon itself on a solid foundation. Right. But once the dog has broken, hopefully not exploded into a million pieces, but still mm-hmm. has failed. And you can't help it. I do agility with my boys, and there was just a study showing that even when owners try not, they tell their dog to take the A-frame and it goes in the tunnel, even the owners that try not to go, oh, yeah, there is a flicker that passes over your face that only a very quick camera can catch and your dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's that little bit of disappointment in yourself. And your, your whole or body and in everything. Your dog. Every, yeah. And the dogs read it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even if you gave the wrong signal and they did the right yeah. thing because of your I mean whatever. I um, see it, it's hard. I see it in bones more so than my Australian shepherds because I think the English shepherds and Pancho's probably the same way. They are closer to the original working dog. Yes. Than the Aussies now are. The Aussies are farther mm-hmm. removed mm-hmm. from the original dog that was bred to work on the farm of the ranch. And With Bones, what I see is sometimes he conveys in just a brief flicker a little disappointment in me. (laughs) When I've not followed through on something or when I've given a confusing instruction 
or and thankfully I try really hard not to disappoint him. Right. But every once in a while I get a little tongue flick, a little <laughs> lower the of the head. Stare. Like, what huh? the hell, Mom? Exactly. I can't that's believe you stare. just said that stupid yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I and, just look at him like, oh, that was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> when you have you a very, very bright working lines dog and i'm not saying that other dogs aren't i know you've had a quite a journey with quill your terrier but when you have a very bright dog and the dog looks at you like i can't believe you just did that (laughs) or i can't believe you just said that i have to admit he's in the process of making a better trainer out of me that's what i was gonna say i think all the years that i've had and you've had aussies I've yeah, become having, a better trainer. Yeah, but also kind of it's easy. It's easy, and all of a sudden I get Poncho. I was like, "Oh, I gotta step my game a bit more yeah. with this one because he, they, like you said, they're sharp." Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. They're closer to that original working dog, and I remember it from my German Shepherds. And Kate, you worked with working dogs. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you have a working dog, a dog who is bred to do a job, you have to keep that in mind mm-hmm. because they know what their job is. Every now and then I'll get a chance to put hands on and work a dog myself that is like that. And it's, I always just walk away muttering Ferrari. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of our trainers, and we won't mention names because we don't want to embarrass anyone, but she has a Ferrari puppy, and she's going to make a better trainer out of her. Yeah. Or they're going to kill each other in the process. Well, <laughs> and the analogy I told her was I, many years ago, uh, rented a house with some other people, and one of them had a Porsche, a brand new cherry red Porsche Carrera. And the, sometimes... The, the real, the car version. Yes. 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 The, the yeah. Not the, not not the, the dog. dog vehicle. Yeah, the car. And every so often, like maybe twice a week, she would come and ask if she could trade vehicles with me. And I was driving a mustard yellow Toyota truck with a pickup shell on it. And I'd be like, uh, yeah, sure. Of course I'll trade with you. Well, it didn't take very many trades for me to realize why. Because that car was a lot of work. (laughs) Shift, shift, downshift, upshift, downshift. And and it would nag you. There was a little light on the dashboard that would say, shift, shift. And whether it was shift up, shift down, shift up, shift down. And it was just constantly shifting. And if it wasn't the shifting, then it was, oh, there's a cop looking at this bright red car. Or there was the kid in the souped up Chevy who was going Going to race. Yeah. I mean, it was work to get from point A to point B in that car. (laughs) And so eventually I'm like, no, I want my automatic truck that goes from zero to 60 in half an hour. And nobody's (laughs) trying to race. Yes. And I'm going to drink my coffee on the way to work. (laughs) And relax. Yeah, there are dogs like that. Now, personally, I'm having a blast with my Porsche of a dog right now. And he is going to make me a better trainer. And I could see a few years down the road getting another one. Maybe one of his sons. But I wouldn't recommend him for the first time dog owner. Mm Mm-mm. So to bring this analogy back, I'm going to give it a wild shot here. Uh-oh. No okay, everybody, hold on. We're going for a ride. <laughs> Picking your right vehicle in the first place. Yes, yes. We do see people with Porsches that really, really wanted a four-door sedan. Yeah. Did not realize they were purchasing a Porsche. Right. Correct. Right. So that's part of it. The other part and is... And we have 
podcasts that we've recorded earlier, you can look at some of our older podcasts on how to choose the right dog and how to choose whether a puppy or an adult or a rescue or from a breeder. We've recorded a lot on how to choose the right one for you. If you've got a high-end, high-drive working kind of dog, a Porsche kind of car, then you're going to have to spend more energy to succeed with that dog. Right. And you're going to have to come up with a million different distance, duration, distraction, sort of training with it. Whereas my Toyota truck had power, you know, it had more slop in the steering wheel, it was an automatic, but it still got me there and it was still transportation. Some people, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was trying to bring this analogy back. Okay. We're with you. Yeah, we're with you. The octane <laughs> level in the Porsche was off one or two points. It made a difference in performance. It did not affect my Toyota. There is more slop in some dogs. <laughs> No, people are going to think you're calling their dog sloppy. (laughs) (laughs) And no octane in the field doesn't apply to the food you feed your dog. Yeah, Yeah, that analogy went went sideways. All right, anyway. But But depending on the kind of personality of the dog. Maybe a little bit more forgiving of a dog? More forgiving. I mean, for example, you can take one of our our, um, assistant trainers has labs. Yeah. Now you take you put the lab next to one of our English shepherds. There's a big difference. There's your Ferrari and there's your truck. You could do something so, and, and he'll just sit there like, oh, I'm just waiting for you. Um, we screw we up and our ES's are like, Ooh. and the the seals are barking and the English shepherds are like, oh my god, what is it? And focus was laser beam on that distraction. Right. And therefore, asking them to do stuff was harder. Right. Because mm-hmm. they're like, just a minute, I'm focused on this. Mm-hmm. And the lab was like, oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, you got food? Oh, I'm yeah. back. Yeah. I'm focused on you now. Right. Right. Yes. That's, that's a better analogy. That's a better analogy. Yeah. Okay. Right. The, the, right. His radar was not quite as precise. or Right. As and he's a good boy. Oh, he's, he's a, a wonderful boy. young... He's a teenager now, but he's They're a, all good dogs. Yeah. Yeah. But we understand that they have different levels of distractions. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, before we leave this... Analogy-filled podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take one more step. We're talking about distance and duration and distractions, and we also stuck a little of difficulty in there. Let's also talk about don't be afraid to have high expectations for your dogs. Now, I used to... If you do not know where you are going, it doesn't matter which road you take, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> like I, I was in a fortune cookie once. So you need to know your destination. Have a high goal, but go there step by step on the journey. Right, right. And See, I brought that analogy back around. Yes, you did. I, I kind of stuttered along behind you, but yeah, okay. And I don't think you have to limit yourself to only one expectation. Oh, yeah. yeah so I, many people have low expectations. And I know I go up to individuals and I'll, I'll say, first, you know, take the baby steps. And then like, I don't know. I don't think he can do it. I said, believe in your dog. Believe in your dog. Just do it. And all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, he did it. There you go. If you (laughs) think your dog can't do it. Exactly. And if you think you can't teach it. Yeah. Then it's never going to happen. Exactly. Oh, I have that on a sticker. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And only Kate would have that sticker. (laughs) It's a paperweight. But I I like it. I like that 
one. I like to tell people to visualize. Sure. Yes. And I know some people in class, when I say visualize you and your dog doing this, some of them look at me like I'm absolutely nuts. Like, really? Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> but if you visualize that you and your dog can do this, or you think you and your dog can do this, then you're going to make it. It may take a little while. You may need to go back and forth with trying different training steps. The first time you try it, it might not work. But the two of you, okay, here's a Kate analogy. Whoa. Oh, my God. The two of you are on this journey together. I knew you were going to say that. Yes. I knew it. <laughs> oh, I'm broken. Kate ruined me. <laughs> On that note, I think we'll call this one quits. I hope we've entertained you. I hope I hope you've learned a little bit along the way. And if you need to listen to the podcast two or three times to, to follow along with all these crazy things, go for it. Have high expectations. Believe in your dog and believe in exactly. yourself as a trainer. Yeah. Oh, yes. And I think yes. that's part of the hard time for some people to visualize. Yes. yes. So they yes. don't quite believe that they can teach their dog yet. And if they don't believe it, they can't. Right. So they need to learn that. Yes. Right. So believe the skills, learn together with your dog. And if things are not going as you expected, then look at your three Ds and say, do I need to step back in my distance? Because I've asked for too much, distra- I'm in a place with more distractions. Right. And understand that process. And then when they get used to that higher level of distraction, you can up your distance. Mm -hmm. Knowing why it's happening can help you control. One last thought. The same thing applies to the person, the trainer. Yes. The three Ds plus the fourth of difficulty applies to you as you're learning your training skills, as you're learning how to communicate with your dog. Both of us are on this together. Yeah, we're on the journey, journey of together. life together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. 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 Sometimes we hit potholes. Oh, oh we're God. gone. <laughs> we're gone before this happens again. <laughs> Bye, y'all. See ya. Enjoy the road of life together. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.